What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is the pod boss, DJ Bowser, and joining me, as always, is my doppelganger, Kangabanga, from down under, Mr. Brody Kane. Howdy, amigos. And the second man on the grass, you know, Mr. Slick Nick. Hola, muchachos. Today, we have a doozy of an episode, but first, it's time for your slice of life. Brody, take it away. Well, 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 I've had a very fucking interesting week. It's been very hectic at work. However, fuck that. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about my first day on set as a PA yesterday, production assistant, and it was a fucking eye-opener, that's for sure. I haven't worked on a set this big at all in my entire life, and it was great. It was good fun. We uh, went location scouting yesterday, and... um Damn, we found some fucking awesome stuff. We have, we're literally under the town. There's a scene where our lead will come into these underground tunnels, and oh, that was fucking something special to actually see. Um, but yeah, just to see it all unfold, it was, it was quite funny because um, our location manager's like, I really want you to meet uh, the head of uh, the film department to come up to our production office. So I go go up there, walk up the flight of stairs, and I walk into the room, and there's this actor doing a table read, and I sort of stop and fucking look at him. I'm like, there you go, mate. He's like, yeah, good, mate. How are you? Sure enough, it's Goose from Mad Max. <laughs> And he's got the fucking handlebar mustache, slick back hair. And, um, you snag a, yeah, a photo um, with him? No, nah, I didn't. Nah, I just, I just said. I'm that. sure you'll see him plenty more. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he gives the nod, and I get just said, "Yeah, here you go, mate." He's like, "Yeah, good, mate." Yeah, so yeah, old Steve Bisley. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to see him. But yeah, I didn't really want to disturb him. Like I said, he was doing a table read. Um, yeah. But yeah, other, other than that, oh, yeah, so last night after set, I came home to a Blu-ray resting on my bed from Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Russell Mulcahy's Resurrection. Ooh. And, you know what that sounds like, Brody? Sounds like season four. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I am not fucking opposed to that one. Bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm still yet to watch it, um, and I know it's just going to look good. I'm probably going to cream my jeans watching it. And yeah, seven. Other than that, I mean, I argue that it is better than seven for so many fucking reasons. Even features somebody who's in seven. Oh, yes, exactly. And he also is a cop. Um, I will just say Cronenberg is in there. So, but uh, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, just been extremely flat out this week. What about you, Slick Nick? Oh, not too terribly much. Uh, I had a couple movies myself come in. I got the uh, Scanner Cop 1 and 2 box set in on Wednesday the <laughs> other day, so uh, excited to get watching through those as well. Uh, I've got another one of our picks on the way. Uh, should just be here in a few days. Uh, one one Mr. Gunman uh, <laughs> should be here pretty soon. Um, so Between the... Between the Scanner Cop 1 and 2 discs, there is a documentary of the making of. Part 1's on disc 1 and part 2's on disc 2. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it's pretty fucking Ooh. awesome. Well, that's going to be fun to watch through as well. Yeah, they're just as good as the movies to watch because you're like, wow, these got made! They put it together, they released this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that one's going to be fun to watch through, um, watching this this lovely film as well. Um, so, I mean, other than that, really not too terribly much. Uh, Sick Nick round two, I got sent home from work yesterday and got told to stay home uh, today. So I'm going to be muting my mic a lot while I cough. <laughs> 
<laughs> Luckily, I've got those tissues that were there for me. This giant 200 cough drop bag as well. So uh, the tissues are there for the hub, but they're uh, just uh, <laughs> for the comfort. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, the comfort. The comfort. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what you been up to, TJ? Well, podcast stuff, film stuff, and ordered bulk film today. Hit up that Kino Lord Bear Rocktober sale. And I also managed to snag uh, Wild at Heart from Shout Select. Super happy about uh, being able to get that film, another Lynch film, added to the collection. That will be coming in tomorrow. Can't wait to watch that because I haven't seen it before. I will let you know what I think at another time. But yeah, just chugging along, trying to get shit done. You know how it is with the hustle. Uh, super excited to talk about this. This week's film, and this week's film is Snake Eater from 1989. A Marine commando who refused to take orders. An undercover cop who plays by his own rules. His parents were murdered. We'll need you to identify the bodies. His sister has been kidnapped. It's time to meet Junior and his best friend. And now Jack Kelly is caught in the crossfire. He's a one-man justice squad up against a gang of outlaws. Those mutants know a lot more than they're saying. And now it's all of them. Brother shows his face and you have a little accident too. Against all of him. We're gonna find him! And we're gonna kill him! The Marines have a name for a soldier this tough. Snake Eater. Starring Lorenzo Lamas. Don't shake his rattle. Directed by George Erschbommer, who also did Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster in 1989, Snake Eater 3, His Law in 1992, The New Addams Family TV series in 98, which apparently didn't do too well, and Deadly Attraction in 2017. Writers Michael Pasernick and John Dunning, who also wrote Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster in 1989, and Downhill Whilly in 1996. Cinematographer Glenn McPherson, who did Betrayal of Silence in 1988, the Sea Wolf in 1993, Rumbo in 2008, and Monster Hunter in 2020. Music by John Mazzari, who did Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 1988, Snake Eater 3, His Law in 1992, Retro Puppet Master in 1999, and Speed Demon in 2003. Special Effects, Stuart Bradley, who also did The Climb in 1986, Deep Rising in 1998, Shooter in 2007 with Marky Mark, The Revenant in 2000. 15. It has a big fucking bear. Producers Lawrence Carada, John Dooning, and Andre Link, who also did Snake Eater 2 and Snake Eater 3. Production designed by Phil Schmidt, who did American Boyfriends in 1989, Chain Dance in 1991, Pursued in 2004, and one of Brody's favorite Space Buddies in 2009. Budget $1.2 million. Starring the great Lorenzo Lamas as Jack Soldier Kelly, who was also in Greece in 1978, Gladiator Cop in 1990. The Rage in 1997 with Gary Busey. And justice! Boone, the Bounty Hunter in 2017. Ronnie Hawkins as King, who was also in Heaven's Gate in 1980. Meatballs 3, Summer Job in 1986. Booze Can in 1994. And the classic Duct Tape Forever in 2002. Josie Bell as the Kid, who was also in Everything's Relative in 1987. A TV series. Bright Lights Big City in 1988. Bride of Violence in 1990. A TV miniseries. Robert Scottish Jr., who was also in Just the Way You Are in 1984. Rinton 
Tin Canine Cup in 1988, a TV series with friends like these in 1991. Cheryl Jeans is Jennifer. She did shit. Larry Kostner as Bronski, who also was in The Sunny and Cher Comedy Hour in 1974, Midway in 1976, in Ballers from 2015 to 2017, a TV series. Does that have the rock in it? I think it does. Okay. Ballers? Yeah, buddy. Ben DeGrecio as Santushi, who started Phantom Brother in 1988, Twin Peaks in 1989, a TV series, and Phil of the Future in 2004, and Cherry in 2010. Ron Palillo as Torchy, who starred in Skate Town USA in 1979, Surf 2 in 1983, think that has a physical release, or Vinegar Syndrome, and Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives 1986, and Hellgate in 1989. Brody, take it away. Snake eaters are an elite division of the Marines, especially trained for search and destroy missions. This action chronicles the exploits of one of them who has become a cop, known as a tough loner. He returns to find the band of backwards bad guys who killed his parents and abducted his sister. Okay, boys, this film won no awards at all, or nothing that we can find, but let's get physical. Okay, so there is a Region B release from NSM Records that came out September 11th, 2020, and has a runtime of 97 minutes. Brody has one of the variants, I want to say cover C. Uh, he got that from Diabolic DVD. Absolutely. So it's a media book from Germany. Okay. So everything, yep, can't read anything on it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty pointless having a media book, but as long as I've got the physical release, I'm happy with that. Now, it does come in the special features with uh, all all three movie trailers from one to three, obviously, and then there is an interview with Lorenzo Lamas about this film. It goes for about 25 minutes, and it is a great watch. I love listening to this man speak. He, is, he just sort of sucks you in with his words and the way he's presented. It's just, it's a great watch. If you really love this film, it's definitely worth buying that. I strongly, highly recommend you buy it if you really love this film. And if you don't, just fucking do it anyway, because you will not be disappointed. <laughs> fucking A. Yeah. Uh, boys, additional information? What'd you learn about it? Well, so like I just said... A lot of the information I found on this film uh, comes straight from that Blu-ray. Mm. So Lorenzo Lamas uh, getting the role of Snake Eater. So he goes on by saying that my agent called me and said there is an offer for you to do an action movie called Snake Eater, which is kind of a Rambo-esque type of movie. Would you be interested? I said, send me those tickets because I'm there. They were going to be filming in a little town called Shediac, which is in Canada. Uh, it's basically the lobster capital of North America, which, which probably rivals New England in terms of having lobster dishes, but yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere, so I flew there and was hoping for the best. And to add to that as well, <laughs> I forgot to actually put this in there. I've just written in brackets, porno <laughs> Also, when his agent called him, he his agent obviously said, look, I've got the dream, dream role for you. You wanted to be in, in an action movie. He's like, yep, absolutely. And he's like, well, I've got one for you. Obviously, it's called Snake Eater. And he goes, Snake Eater, are you sure this isn't a porno? <laughs> <laughs> he honestly thought he was going to do a porno. And I don't blame him with a title like that. 
Oh, he's taking it up. Too. Especially with the I mean, scene in the movie where the guy grabs a snake and like shoves it in her face. Like, <laughs> any more on the nose? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, so, talking about Snake Eater in the industry at the time, uh, Lamas goes, When I went to Shediac, I knew there wasn't a lot going on at Paramount. This was a little movie. The budget was very small. It was John Dunning's attempt to break into more action because that's where the industry was going at the time. The industry, which is driven by foreign sales in the VHS market, were very interested in the action genre. I guess those movies were flying off the shelves. So, my agent told me that Snake Eater is a great opportunity for you, Lorenzo, to play this action role that you always wanted to play, and it's going to be a straight-to-video movie. You're going to get a great experience, probably get some exposure. Who knows where it will lead? It might just open a whole new career for you. This was on location, a four-week shoot, and we were out there. It was fun. We have Lorenzo talking about the director, George Ershbama. My first impression of George was like, I've worked with these second-unit directors before, man. And I know you and I just really hit it off immediately with him because he didn't have a pretense. He he never wore a fancy scarf. He wore an army jacket, jeans, boots, and a handkerchief around his neck, to which I thought was cool. I was like, he's a cowboy director. He told me about his experience that he had done second unit for action, and I felt very comfortable working with him on this set. There you go. Lamas talking about the script. Um, I read the script probably 50 times, not just to learn my lines, but I read it 50 times so that each time I read it, I would see the character more clearly. Certain things that I came up with after reading the script was that kind of cool because I went to a boarding slash military school and I spent a lot of time with guys. I spent a lot of time getting hazed for the first year and I was able to incorporate some of the attitude of a guy that rarely talks about his feeling much more so Axon. We also have Llamas talking about the fight scenes. Now, I did all of the fighting. They did double me for the motorcycle launch into the bar, but I did a lot of it and also choreographed all of it. Not where the action sequences were of the bike sliding, but all of the fight sequences. I choreographed it because I felt that it was important for me to have the experience in martial arts for a long time. I knew how to choreograph it and George was great. He knew where to put the camera, cover the action to make sure that there was hits not misses, and we had a really good report with that. That scene is so fucking funny. <laughs> I love the bar <laughs> fight so much. <laughs> it's unnecessary, like most of the violence in this film, and I think that's what makes it so great. Perfect. And that guy gets so mad about a guy having a car, like a, a, like a, a legitimate like vehicle accident. Yeah, it's like, here's how yeah, you have a fucking car crash. <laughs> Piece of shit. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, Lamont's talking about the uh, the floor spike scene near yes. the beginning. I do recall the setup for the spikes coming through the floor. Uh, it took a while to reset. I think that was George's invention. He figured out how to do it, to which he built a false floor underneath the false floor, was the gag where the nails come up. I think that there were a couple of guys off camera that just had two levers, and they would just push one down and the nails would come up. However, it took a little while to shoot because we had to put the fake tennis shoes on the fake floor, but it worked out so well with the edit. Fucking A. That scene is absolutely also hilarious. hilarious. That <laughs> is going to lead into our questions, but I'll talk about that later. Ooh. Ugly Dunkly Nudarina. So he uh Lorenzo talks about the director's view on his character. So George really wanted to establish Jack Kelly as being a badass and having this romantic side to it. So he took a lot of time with myself and the actress, uh, to which I always go into a scene like that completely at the mercy of the actress. 
I do not want to make someone ever feel uncomfortable. So I would ask her if there's anything that she would like or not to see in the scene between us. And we would collaborate, talk through the scene together, and it was yeah, it was great. Yeah, this movie's pretty fucking full on. So uh, lots of uh, are you okay with this? <laughs> Yeah, such a gentleman. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Lamont's talking about his views on the character. The best thing about the movie Snake Eater is the character, Jack Kelly. Uh, he's a Rambo type of guy, unconventional, but Rambo didn't have much humor, and that's what I like about Snake Eater, is that it has comedy in it. For example, the first scene of the movie, when the cops are in the car, to Jack Kelly entering the building, to meeting a black girl, they get it on, the bad guys come in, floor is rigged with spikes, he hits the switch to stab the bad guys in the feet, they can't move while they're screaming. I, I think that's just great, and it's a perfect genre for the snake eater movies because they're fun they're filled with action but it's not too serious can i yeah that that whole opening sequence and then finishing sequence definitely tie off this movie so fucking well <laughs> oh my god the ending one is fantastic too <laughs> here's a question for you uh the scar on i think i looked up her name her name is mo what did i say Mojava. That was a W. It was like Mojava. Mojava. Uh, prior and talking about uh, the one on her chest. Yeah. Her do you think that's right real or do you think that was just like a character thing? I don't know. Um, kind of like think the that's main... usually like a heart surgery. Scar. You know, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. I, I reckon uh, they're not that big. She's done other films, so I reckon if she's uh, nude in any of those, we could probably see it. Or if she wears any sort of low cut top, we would be able to. It's just so it be interesting uh, makeup choice. Just randomly like have a fucking. Heart surgery scar, you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah. what I was thinking, but usually they're not really that long. But usually what if she got it young? I mean, that's quite possible, and it's just obviously stretched over the years, but yeah. Well, that's yeah, interesting. Either way, she was definitely a looker. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's true. I can't deny that. Continue. So, uh, Lamar's talking about the release of the film. So, I was told that there would be a limited theatrical run, at least in North America, and if not, perhaps some major cities in the US. I was also told that there was going to be a premiere in Montreal, to which they flew me there. So I actually got the chance to see Snake Eater on the big screen. And that was an eye-opening experience because there were four people in that theatre. <laughs> I, I was sitting there and I was like, am I at the right movie? There's nobody here. However, it was a humbling experience, but that movie was just meant for video and it did really well on video. It just couldn't open up much, which I guess is one of those things. Also, remember the feeling of sitting there in the movies, seeing four to five people enjoying it. But why wasn't there more marketing to promote, to promote this premiere? I think I may have even bought a ticket in the end. <laughs> oh. So, in an interview with The Manatee uh, in 2017, actor Lorenzo Lamas announced he's cancelling the production of Snake Eater 4 uh, due to the all-word government's decision to scrap the New Brunswick film tax credit in 2011, uh, which was slated to begin shooting in the Shediac area this summer, uh, claiming the absence of the tax credit is pushing his already tiny production budget over the edge. Uh, he quotes, When I recently found out they cancelled the program a few years ago, it made our operating costs just unsustainable, even for a low-budget action movie. I think reviving the Snake Eater series could mark a real turnaround in my career, and what better place to do it than where it all started in New Brunswick. I remember on set, there was this one kid who told me he made ninja movies with his friends at home and had aspirations to be a filmmaker. I told him martial arts were a good place to start. I wonder what happened to that kid. I hope he made it in the film industry. To Ronnie Hawkins that plays King is an ex-Canadian American rockabilly star with a career spanning over 50 years, oh. including playing with his mm -hmm. own band, The Hawks as well as his cousin and fellow rockabilly star, Dale Hawkins. 
He also worked as a talent scout and mentor for many ex-Hawks members such as Roy Buckman. You can Several members of the band. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Buchanan, several members of the band as well as Janis Joplin's Full Tilt Boogie Band. Nice. That dude knew a lot of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trained a lot of them, too. Uh, but yeah, uh, so though George, director Erschbommer, uh did continue his role as a director up until today, I think his last movie came out three years ago, from what I could tell. Mm. Uh, I think the most famous of his work that I found is actually as a special effects artist back in the 80s, because he worked on First Blood as well as Rocky IV, which so recently, it's kind of interesting. Uh, which recently got a re-release and a recut by uh, Old Sly himself, and rumor has it... From the trailer, Homeboy changed the aspect ratio and zoomed in. Huh. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's hope it didn't, because <laughs> it removed all of Lundgren's abs in the training scenes. No! I mean, God forbid. If you're going to give us a 4K and not let us see those glorious abs, those Russian, those Russian abs. Uh, <laughs> George worked hard on those abs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It is what it is if it does, but uh, just something for me to bitch about. Anyway. Weird. I know. A weird choice. Or cinema. Lamas <laughs> 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 talks about the vigilante justice of subgenre in films. I love Death Wish. Charles Bronson was like one of the first characters that was about the vigilante justice subgenre. I just think that it's something that the audience likes, to be honest. They just love to see the bad guys get theirs in the end, and my television show, Renegade, was a bit like that. Fucking A. Death Wish is great. Boys! Let's talk about it! <laughs> Okay, let's talk about performances. There were some doozies in this one. <laughs> that there was. Mix, mixed bag. Okay, did anybody get uh? So hot sister, uh, homegirl's name? Yeah, uh, Jennifer. Did she kind of look like uh like a discount Denise Richards in a couple scenes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I could say that because I thought I recognized her at first till I looked at the cast and went, "She, this is the only thing she's ever done." <laughs> Josie Bell, she's pretty good. She's pretty good looking too. She has a bunch of modeling shots. I looked up a bunch of these actors and stuff to see if they had any fucking photos because a lot of their pictures didn't have anything because I wanted to see who was who. And yeah, like, same. yeah, mm. just strange. A lot of a lot of these people. <laughs> Anyway, so where's your sister? Speaking of performances, <laughs> this film, uh, fucking crazy stuff. Junior's pretty fucking nuts. I was probably going to say Junior as my pick, to be entirely honest. I like Lorenzo as Soldier, but I I don't know. I I really loved to hate Junior, and I really think a part of the uh part of that was on the acting. The weird like build up to the rape that didn't happen because Snake Eater always showed up at the right time to stop it was like, do I have to like skip a couple scenes? And then Snake Eater's like, No, I showed up right now. <laughs> and the brothers are gonna run in and be like, No, you can't, brothers here. <laughs> Every time or the or the one time where Sissy just straight up walks up and just hits him with the shovel for zero reason whatsoever. I mean, I'm I'm happy it happened. Like I'm yeah. I'm happy like he it like he always showed up and like forwarded his efforts to be a complete fucking rapist creep. That's yes. that that's a cool part of the fucking story because it just adds that, that little extra okay. Okay, they went. They went. They established he's gross, but they didn't let him do it. So okay, <laughs> but they, yeah, this movie does not lack titties in a proper manner. Uh, 
Like I hate, I hated that fucking character, but I just didn't feel that he was intimidating. Did they like, actually fuck? Like the like Snake so, Eater and the girl that like oh, saved him, um, or was she did. fucking with him? No, I think she was just. I don't know. Fucking um, take take sort of the piss out of him. Oh, okay. Know, like, That's what come, I thought. Yeah, really, she was making fun come, of him because he was coming too from getting his ass kicked. <laughs> okay, yeah, playing hard to get. Okay, I was confused Ooh. there. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you've only been out for 10 minutes, dude. Settle down. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I had with the performance of the rednecks in this film. I just didn't find them intimidating at all. And for, like, soldier, like Lorenzo, as to be this, like, shit-hot military fucking, you know, snake eaters at the top of the game, he gets his ass whooped. I thought he would have absolutely taken him. Now, like, in fucking heartbeat. This movie, and I guess we could probably talk about it later on, but we'll talk about it now because I don't give a fuck. This movie- He's definitely like one of those inbred, like fucking family films. Because it definitely is one of one of the aspects of this movie. Kind of like a, it hits yeah. the stride of deliverance, kind of, and that's a constant part. Like you said, like they definitely like, hey, these people are gross, but they're not super threatening. Like they don't come off that way, and like they're, they're pussies when they're alone. Like Snake Eater can just fuck them all up, and they they clearly are reliant on Junior and the, their strength and numbers. <sighs> The only time they ever beat him was when they had three people fighting him at once. Exactly. exactly. Like, and he had, what was it, Clyde was the, the big dude, was like holding him, like bear hugging him for most of it while they were beating him up. So, and he still got a few good hits in. Like, the performance, I'm gonna fucking say, uh, Lorenzo, only because I just feel like the guy's a badass. And it's totally believable the whole time. And the scene when he pops out of the water with the rifle, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> let's go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brody? Yeah, no, I look, I mean, I was always going to say fucking Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> you know, the, the character is obviously a mashup of like your Rambo and your fucking Lone Wolf McQuaid, but it's fun to see unfold in, in his own little world. And, and it's like Lama said, you don't really need to take the character seriously to enjoy this film, you know, especially for what it is. Um, and he really does make this character his own, I find. Um, and I can absolutely appreciate it. That or appreciated about it the most is that like, I think he just does a great job. It's definitely a unique way to introduce like the revenge plot. Yeah, it's uh, by- yeah, yeah, vigilante fucking esque, yeah. you know. Definitely, instead of just having the normal uh, retired special forces guy wanders into town and everybody in the town's addicted to them, right? Because I think yeah. it's pretty well established. He's already been here for a while. Yeah. Everyone in the bar knew him, like the bar, like the waitress knew his name, and all. Still that. getting into fights though, for yeah, no fucking reason. Anyway, set piece, boys. Started. <laughs> <laughs> the bar does look pretty cool. Uh, Bar's fun. Yeah, the bar is fun. <sighs> The shack, the shack, and like the the uh, hillbilly hideout is pretty fucking mm-hmm. believable and gross. And I like how it's staged and everything, especially with the uh, with like the uh, farm equipment at the end that goes through the the shack and everything. That's, yeah, that's rad. I, I like that. That's pretty neat. I may have yeah, to go with the the warehouse with the drug bust at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just the all the booby traps and everything set up around it all. The just dingy urban decay that he's all sitting in with the ratty tattered chair and he's sitting in whenever he's messing with them, talking shit through the wire back at him at the cops outside. Like, I don't know. It, it was just a uh, believable set that just turned into something kind of fun and goofy at the end. <laughs> yeah. It's also a perfect fitting for Snake Eater himself. I honestly thought he actually lived there when I first watched this movie. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just sort of just hangs out there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's got the fucking booby trap set up there for a reason. Like, is it not his house? 
That was the biggest thing. I'm like, how the fuck do you have all this time to set up a baby? <laughs> and, and then you see him in the fucking thing later. And then you see him in like yeah. the situation later and Homeboy has like all this shit like set up. Like he's ready. There's like a fucking condom. <laughs> and then he has like this like dolly and everything. He's just like ready to go. Like this, this guy's ready. <laughs> How do they not know? When at the he's like, no funny business, no funny business. And like, whenever they were setting up this sting operation and the cops were watching it, did they not see him like going inside with a dolly? Right. And he had a condom in his pocket. He had a rake like set up to put it up there. And tie it up. He's like, this is just cop stuff, man. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. It's fine. It's fine. By the book. By the book. I promise. <laughs> Badass. But you got to make it interesting some here. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd have to agree with you, Nick, the abandoned warehouse. Um, that was, but that'll also lead into uh, my, the next fucking. Yeah, favorite scene and shot for me. I will have to say something that I already said, which was uh, whatever homeboy for shot. But homeboy explodes out of the water with grandpa's rifle. Mm. Uh, that's just fucking too fucking awesome. But favorite scene. Ugh. You know what? I'll answer last, Brody. Sa- right. sa- say the nails. <laughs> that, that fucking spike floor scene was fucking amazing. I saw this in the trailer, and this yeah. is the scene that drew me into watching this film in the first place. Um, you know that awesome camera pan we get as the spikes roll up uh pinning our drug dealer's feet to the floor was fucking exquisite now watch. does it does he do that in any other do the snake eaters do that in any of the other films well he has traps but he doesn't have any spike floor scenes like ah okay <laughs> as, damn it as much as i would love to see that you know, uh, yeah, it, it actually had me laughing. And, and in the fact that these guys are stuck there screaming like banshees was fucking hilarious. That's how you pitched me the movie for, for the podcast. You're like, dude, like, there's <laughs> yeah. a scene with like there's nails on the floor. And I was like, what? He's like, just watch the trailer. You'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I can't believe I hadn't seen this before until like this year, obviously. Like, I didn't even know this film existed. Uh, Your deep dives on Diabolic DVD, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, Snake Eater, what the fuck is this? Um, to be yeah, entirely fair, I think that's how most people found it. Whenever I was doing my research, I found mostly just articles uh, of people doing their own reviews for the movie, mm-hmm. and almost every single one of them invariably said that they just found it on VHS, just in a store, like in a bargain bin or something, and, and went. That's probably watching. something we should <laughs> probably bring up is the fact that there is no U.S. disc release of this currently. That there mm-hmm. is only German media books available of this that are region B locked. So the version that is currently on Amazon Prime at the time of this recording is VHS quality three. Uh, what is it four three and it's there's almost no definition to it at all it's the dark scenes are dark as fuck and barely visible and yeah it's it's not necessarily a, a terrible transfer i've absolutely seen worse but uh for god's sake somebody do this in the u.s america <laughs> make this happen also, <laughs> sorry just be oh look, i'm going on a bit of a fucking tangent here with my favorite scene but can we give an honorable mention to the grandpa that comes fucking flying <laughs> <out of> his- <laughs> <laughs> flying out of his house on a Harley for no goddamn reason. Uh, took then, my shot. <laughs> yeah, and then literally does like a backflip into the water to try and break up a redneck fight scene. Stick him, Claude! Yeah. Stick him, Flip! Stick him! Stick him, back! 
that it will go down as one of the greatest fucking action scenes for no goddamn reason. It's random. Now, it begs fucking the question, weird. was that his bike or is that Snake Eater's bike? And then he took it apart. Or did he do it with his bike, then fish it out? Because he offers it to, to Soldier later, said it's, it's fine, he can take it into town. But that's only after he does the fucking ramp into the water. I honestly reckon, you know what, I reckon he took Snake Eater's bike... <laughs> <laughs> I, I will literally put it inside my fucking house, drive it up, and, it and flip this motherfucker, and then have the audacity to turn his Harley into a fucking jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's incredible stuff, bro. The whole time he's riding that thing, I'm like, well, you hear what jet skis made, and why did they go through so much effort? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And he's so pissed that they did it. Oh, he's mad. He's so I'd mad. be. <laughs> oh, we took the you know the wheels. They're on a break. Did you steal my fucking wheels, <laughs> Nick? Uh, favorite scene, bro. Uh, Oh, my favorite scene, it's probably going to be the the shootout whenever Junior's, what is it, was like Uncle something and his boys get down there. Yeah. Uh, the shootout at the uh, at the shack whenever he brings out oh, Grandpa's where every time Soldier and... shoots, it's four rounds? Yes. Okay. <laughs> 100% I was watching this like, dude, just tap. Like, you're wasting just so, okay, whatever. I mean, you brought the magazines, I guess, may as well use them. I well, <laughs> the sound effect was for four rounds, was for four shots, so, you know. You don't want to fuck with hey. it too much. Yeah. Oh, seriously. I, I just I did love like him like taping the clips and just be like Yeah. Da 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 then he fucking flips it again. He flips it a third time. He flips it a fucking third time. And then da 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 I'm like, oh my god. They did it. They don't give he a fuck. He literally has Hollywood magazines. He literally has Hollywood magazines. They're unlimited. As long as he flips it, bullets magically appear. And then whenever Jesse runs over and gets into the tractor and starts slowly rolling it towards the shack, and then <laughs> Soldier runs out of ammo somehow, I don't know how, gets out, picks up the shotgun, and then Junior just watches him with his own lever-action <laughs> rifle in his head, watches him pick it up, take aim, crouch, look at him, shoot Jesse, then goes, Jesse, no! I'm like, you didn't even fight, you didn't even try. <laughs> you did nothing. And how you little <laughs> damage, or does how little effect does that gunshot to his fucking side have on him? <laughs> that's, that would cripple a man! That yeah. would cripple a man! And that's like, like a lever-action rifle, that's like a 30-yacht 30 he got fucking hit with. Jesus Dude, Christ. He, he wouldn't be care. moving. <laughs> but my favorite scene is that shootout where he flips the barrel and everything. I love that. It's just absolutely so crazy. They're like, okay, we got this budget. Where are we going to spend it all at? And they're like, oh, fucking shootout scene at the end, man. Squibs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking A. Favorite effect in death? Eli. <laughs> The the one on the boat when Soldier tied the uh, the water bomb to the, uh, the back of his boat <laughs> and he starts rolling off with Slim's and they're all body. just sitting there looking at him like what the fuck is that what is that <laughs> he goes fuck is that huh I know he's already killed two of us with booby traps but I honestly just wonder what that is and then it just explodes again. and I and love like, that son of a bitch <laughs> I love how the director had like enough knowledge to be like you know what makes these action seems funnier if you just let the camera roll way too fucking long and he so does it so much 
<laughs> like things are just awkwardly long oh. for just for comedy, just for fucking comedy. I, I'm it's surprised it's not branded as you an action comedy. That. It's not only that you can change that in the fucking edit. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have a choice in the edit. And they just no, left fuck, it. Just keep going. <laughs> the editor the absolutely edit. sat there and was like, "It's getting better. It's getting better. All right, leave it now. Cut it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, it's I so actually, good. I I had the redneck that cuts down the woman to rape her, and then he, he becomes a victim of his own knife. He, so he, he, fucking he, he, he grabs a knife with the fucking sharp end, oh. the stabbing bit, and it slowly goes through his hands. And then she lets go, and then he stabs himself. Yeah, that's karma at its finest. Oh, I, oh, that was a great scene. I was like, you're a fucking dumb shit. I was wondering how it was going to go. I was like, why would he grab the blade, first of all? Okay, apparently he was grabbing it with enough force to actually kill himself with it. Sounds good. He got his, he got one. So, yeah. my favorite death is definitely, like, the spike the spike death to the big boy. Oh, uh, Clyde. Yeah. Clyde. That's just too fucking cool. I was like, yeah, you got him. And he definitely, like, lured him into it and everything. And at the one point, he's like, no! No! <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're good there. <laughs> uh, I'd say that's my favorite effect. I, I just love to see that in these uh, in these movies. There, there's at least one and all these Rambo ripoffs, and I'm happy to see it here and it's used effectively. Uh, definitely my favorite death and effect there, but Squib City at the end is pretty cool, too, for effects and the whole effect yeah. of that vehicle going through the shack. Yeah. Yeah. That and the uh, houseboat blowing up at the beginning. Yeah, that's fucking cool. That was a pretty nice houseboat. That was a pretty nice houseboat. I also really want to know how they didn't hear the motors of those two boats rocking on up to him when he's sitting outside. And were they though? Off. So here, explain. I'll explain it to you. So I think they have logs just under the surface where you can't see them, and they wait on the shore. So they you they hit them. And whenever they jerk to the stop, they come from the side. So but like, wouldn't you hear? Because it was motor boats. They were using the motors were they? on them. Yeah. Well, then I don't fucking know. Because uh, I was I was like, how did he get on there? The when same Junior logic behind, behind the infinite ammo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this movie doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. it just doesn't care. Yeah, it does not. Snake care. Eater don't care. Yeah, I mean, Junior drinking ketchup straight out of the bottle. Movie doesn't care, dude. <laughs> oh, also, <laughs> like, so weird. Homeboy gets a bear trap on his leg. It affects him for maybe forty-five seconds of the film. I love that. Also, he's a master at making booby traps, but does not think to look for booby traps. Oh yeah, the moment he's like, <laughs> "Who's talking to her? What the? F oh my god, a bear trap!" <laughs> oh, Shit. <laughs> and his sister didn't do anything to save him. I mean, after she stabbed Sissy with like the the horn, yeah, the, like cow skull, and then she and then just kind of keeps and that is the soldier leveling a shot at him, and his sister just goes the second time somebody was impaled by a horn in this on this podcast. The first being Black Christmas oh, yeah. on season two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many horn say, impalements can we get by the time this show's out? <laughs> can also just say about um, our lead redneck dressing up as a fucking bear, or did he just have a bear claw? So it looked like he had like a harness, and then like the bear arm like extended past his back and then went past his arm and then he used that to kill people and frame yeah, them. Right. So, listeners, crazy point in this fucking movie. <laughs> At some point you think, is this grizzly? Because <laughs> you see this POV shot of this dude getting mauled by this bear, presumably a bear. And no, it's the same fucking deliverance fucks with a bear arm attached to their arm, <laughs> just mauling people <laughs> and making bear noises. He's like, old man's gonna meet the bear. <laughs> yeah. 
Zoar's brother. Like, have you got a fucking pit there? <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking. Because no. I was waiting for it. When I was doing the research, it said that they had a suit. It said they had a full suit. Oh, okay. Which was how they were, like, doing it. But, yeah, no, in the shot, he just has it on his arm, and oh. it's obviously three hicks, one of whom has a bear arm that they're clawing at him with. Why in the fuck, if you use it for one scene, do you not use it for the whole entire film? That could have been right? his trademark. It made him even no more idea. fucking intimidating. Imagine him fighting Lorenzo at the end of the film. <laughs> he's, he's shooting with a bear claw and then can scratch him and shit. You know, that makes it even more intimidating. Yeah. It's a damn fallout weapon. Goddamn bear claw. <laughs> it's death claw thing. Yeah. It's a death claw. Yeah. Weapon, I'm actually pissed off they didn't fucking did that. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's such a cool, like, thing, and it just wasted. But yeah, it's, it's definitely unique. Thoughts on story, boys? Like, we already mentioned, it's an amalgamation of, like, Deliverance, Rambo, and then, like, this When when Vacation Goes Awry revenge film type thing. It's just so many things. Kind of? Because- It starts yeah. off, yeah, it starts off with a different story. So it starts off like a buddy cop, story. like a buddy cop thing, and then goes- I thought it was going to be a, a cop movie. Right. When I first started it and started watching it, I was like, oh- Oh, it's a cop movie. But All instead, right, we haven't done one of these. They utilize right. it as a way, like a unique way to introduce the character and then outro the character, and it's just perfect. So and the movie poster implies that as well, because he's on the front cover with his rifle and a cityscape. Yeah. No forest, no nothing like that. Just completely diverse. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and it just says, to him, America is just another jungle. It's <laughs> the on the like, it absolutely looks like it's like Escape from New York or something. Like uh, Apparently, the box, so I'm looking at uh, canexploitation.com does reviews for these. This was one of the ones that I found. Uh, they had It says, as dirty as Dirty Harry, as dangerous as Deliverance. And even at the time, this review, apparently, it seems to have been written in 89, says, don't know why they're comparing this for, to movies from 20 years ago, um, but most action movie fans are going to think that the genre lives and dies with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't think this one's going to turn your head all that much. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. And I think it's it's so crazy that it's, it's it stands out because of that. It just has an absurd plot and that's why you love it. Oh, absolutely. It's a film you can just chuck on and enjoy for so yeah. many fucking reasons. It's it's crazy. And it does actually draw you in like, to an extent. Um, just because it's just so out of whack in certain elements, whether it's the character development. I mean, yeah, overall, like what TJ said, he summed it up pretty perfect. It's just basically what we've already talked about of other other films and it's your basic vigilante action film just with new characters pretty much if you haven't seen it peeps go and suss it out immediately because yeah. you will not be fucking yeah. disappointed so if you have Amazon Prime hour and a half it's worth your time and you know like we like we said uh, as we wrap this up it, it definitely spawns sequels it spawned two and three I believe Lorenzo's in those right Brody yes he is yes. he is in all three yeah so yeah. those those exist and we'll definitely look forward to us covering those in the future if we can get our hands on them and they still are available to watch uh, definitely looking forward to it. I wouldn't say this really impacted a genre, but it definitely impacted its own little franchise, and I'm, I'm happy it exists. And my takeaways from this is, I want more. I want to see more of this character. I want to see him in more of these weird and zany situations, because it's it's definitely a standout type of character in this weird B-movie trash cinema stuff that we indulge
indulge in from time to time on this podcast. And it's nice. It's nice. I, I wish that it would get a proper release here in the States. That way we can appreciate it and it's full glory. But other than that, this movie rocks and I can't wait for more, boys. Absolutely. I agree 100%. This is my bread and butter every day of the week, um, these type of films. And, um, it feels like a nostalgic film to me and I'd never, ever seen this before in my entire life until this year. So I really want to see more as just as much as the next person, I think. Snake Eater for Lorenzo, you should be out there pushing it a lot harder because I really want to see that. Don't care how old you are, mate. Just make it up. I'd love to see an old man, Jake Kelly. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'd absolutely watch it. I can definitely agree with that whole, it feels like a nostalgic movie even if we haven't seen it. This definitely feels like something I would have seen a censored version of on TV at my grandma's house when I was a kid or something. Like It absolutely feels like I've seen it before even though I haven't. But it's extremely fun to watch. Uh, it's definitely Definitely one to like put on and turn your brain off or put on with your friends and drink to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, <fucking> <laughs> okay, so let's rate this bad boy. Tough as nails, booby trap laying veteran cops out of five. Brody Kane says it's your pick, you handsome son of a bitch. Give us the numbers. That's a tough one. I'm look, I'm gonna have to give it a uh, 3.5. 3.5. Slick Nick? 3.8. I'm gonna give it a three, and that is a LCE score of 3.4 out of five for 1989's Snake Eater. DKB says, give it a watch. Absolutely. Watch all three of them. You will not be disappointed. Fucking so what do we have next episode, Slickness? We're going to be watching Kill This, y'all. Nice. Yeah. Little British movie. Little it's really, really good cult. one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This one this one takes some turns. This one starts out, well, kind of like this, honestly. It starts out one genre and it flips about halfway through. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's really fun. <laughs> you will be entertained, Mr. Bowser. You will. If you haven't seen this, yes. No, I have not. It's one of the newer ones. Came out about 10 years ago, I think 2011. Okay, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to talk about it. But thank you for tuning in on another episode of Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your guide to exploited cinema. This is the Pod Boss signing out. See you next week. Love y'all. Bye-bye. This is your double ganger, kanga banger, all the way from down under saying, I will catch you motherfuckers next week. Sick Nick part two. <laughs> I'll catch you next week as well. Love y'all.
should hit up Lorenzo <laughs> and get Snake Eater Four on the fucking run. I want to see that shit. I want to see it. I want to see a fucking fourth Snake Eater film. <laughs> it can be done. Just saying. I'm sure. Anywho, Snake Eater, Snake Eater Four Apocalypse. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am not opposed to that at all. Like Mad Max, that shit. Yeah, just straight out. Oh, fucking, yeah. Yeah. Lorenzo just kicking down a door. It's like nuclear <laughs> wars happens. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to kick its ass. <laughs> Ever since Al Gore won the presidency in 2000, things have been hell. <laughs> 2000 is a consultant in history now. <laughs> COVID who? It's Snake Eater, baby. <laughs> Snake Eater kills COVID. <laughs> Good for so, the blooper reel. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. 